1: but we'll retire by the time we select our ideal location. We will be speaking to folks from across the street to across the globe who have moved to the dream venues and more. So please stay tuned. And remember, if you know anyone who has moved anywhere for retirement, let us know.
0: Thank you. Hi, all. Today, Retire There has a real treat for you. In our series of special episodes, this is our first on organizing, decluttering, and downsizing. Yes, you heard that right. An extremely important topic for many, if not all of us. And some are in denial, but it's really important for all of us. Our expert is Peter Walsh, a professional organizer who has a new book out called Let It Go which presents the process he follows in decluttering and downsizing. But here's a little background about Peter. He was born and raised in Australia, moved to L.A. in the early 90s and started his first television series, Clean Sweep, which I watched, I remember this, <laughs> for Discovery's TLC Network. After 120 episodes, The Oprah Winfrey Show placed Peter under contract and became a regular guest on her show for five seasons. Seeing that Peter's organizing work focused on people improving their lives and not just folding clothes neatly, (laughs) Oprah dubbed Peter the get-your-whole-life-organized guy. Peter also hosted a weekly show on the Oprah XM radio channel.
1: Waco, you mean we're only two degrees of separation from Oprah? Holy... <laughs>
0: so for over 20 years, Peter has been working internationally, helping families declutter and organize their homes and their lives, taking a very different approach to other professional organizers. Peter believes that clutter is anything that stands in the way of people living their best lives. When the Oprah Winfrey Network, OWN, launched, Peter was part of the first two years of the network premiering his own series, Extreme Clutter. Since then, he has appeared as a regular contributor for 12 seasons on The Rachel Ray Show as Rachel's organizing buddy, also two degrees away from Rachel. He's extremely excited to be working on the fourth season of his Australian series, Space Invaders, airing on Australia's Nine Network. Each episode of the one-hour primetime series helps a family buried in clutter find their way out. Peter uses his trademark tough love approach to understanding that until you can deal with the power the clutter has, you'll never get organized. So, Peter... When will space invaders hit the air in the United States? I've been Googling everywhere and I can't get it. Well, after that
2: introduction, that's all we have time for today, folks. <laughs> so we'll see you next week on the podcast. hope you okay. enjoyed this week. Bye-bye. <laughs>
0: Peter is the author of seven best-selling books, including Let It Go, Downsizing Your Way to a Richer, Happier Life. And this is his most recent book, and the one Gene has been reading. The second is Lose the Clutter, Lose the Weight. That's the book I first picked up. I haven't lost any weight, but How to Organize Just About Everything. And then we have It's All Too Much, an easy plan for living a richer life with less stuff. Also, the New York Times revealed him as a genius. See, this is why I have to continue. Oh, stop. Seriously, stop. I have to all stop right, I'm
2: done. I'm done.
0: Enough, I'm done. enough, okay. Enough, okay. enough. All right, Come
2: enough. On. Okay. Let's get on with it. Let's get on with the interesting stuff. So I help people declutter their homes and live their best life. That's all people need to know. That's enough. I've been doing it for 20 years, and I really love what I do. And basically, my focus is on not so much on the stuff, because I learned years ago that if you focus on the stuff, you will never get organized. As strange as that sounds, because the stuff we own has power. The stuff we own, everything in our home has a memory or a meaning. Everything in our home, when we look at it, comes from somewhere. We've we've either brought it into our home ourselves or it has been gifted to us. To hold on to it, we hold on to it for a reason and to let it go means letting go often of a part of ourselves. And so often when we talk of letting go of our stuff, we're actually talking about letting go of a dream. Or part of our past or something that we had hoped for. And so especially when it comes to retiring or downsizing, it can be very difficult because letting go of our stuff often means letting go of something from our past, letting go of our professional life. Letting go of time with our children, letting go of who we were as a professional person or as a traveler or as the person around whom all of our family gathered for meals and moving into the next stage of our life. So retirement, downsizing, decluttering at that stage in our life means taking a step into the next stage of our life and deciding what we want that next stage of our life to be and to mean and what of that luggage from all of our life up to that point we want to take with us. And that's not about the stuff, that's about what the rest of our life is going to mean. And that can be difficult.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In your book, Let It Go, you maintain that downsizing requires us to confront our insecurities, our relationships, and our own mortality. For yeah. me, it's the mortality that really makes me want to get rid of stuff. Because you know, honestly, how much stuff can I put in my coffin or, or yeah. wherever I go? And But mortality, that's what really gets to me and, and ma- actually makes me want to get rid of stuff.
2: It's interesting. Somebody said, and, and I love this idea, you know, that the best gift you can leave your kids is a decluttered, organized home. And I think it's a wonderful saying I worked with a young guy just recently, and his grandfather had passed away, and his dad had a great relationship with his father. So I I was working with the young man, and we were talking about his grandfather, his father's father. And when his grandfather passed away, his home was so... Filled with stuff that it took his father nearly three years to empty the home, to deal with all of the stuff that his grandfather had left in the home. And by the time his dad had finished emptying his grandfather's home, his father was so resentful of his grandfather that it had completely destroyed any relationship that his father had had with his grandfather while his grandfather was alive. And so it's very interesting that. But his grandfather had held on to all of this stuff, and his dad had had a great relationship with his father, with the son's grandfather, while they were alive. But then that relationship had been completely destroyed because of the angst, and the anxiety and the effort and horror of decluttering this home full of stuff that didn't belong to him, but was filled with all of this stuff that the grandfather held onto that represented his life. So it's interesting that you talk about the stuff And your mortality, because for many people, the stuff represents their life. And and it's interesting, you know, I'm not a religious person at all, but the Buddha, there's a saying from Buddhism that the Buddha says that we all think we have time and it's the one thing we actually don't have. We all operate as though we're immortal and we're not. And so we hold on to all of this this stuff that in the end has no meaning because we come into the world naked and we leave the world naked, but we hold on to all of this stuff as though it has significance. And it does. It does. But in the end, it means nothing. So yeah. in the process that I work on with people, it comes back to identifying what is most important when you downsize, when you retire, what is the best of the best? What are what I call the treasures in your home? Hold on to those and for all the rest, let it go. And that's where the title of the book comes from.
0: You know, as you're saying this, I'm just thinking of my closet. I retired a year and a half ago. I have not touched my career, quote unquote, wardrobe. It's just yep. sitting there. I've covered it in plastic. There's something about just giving away these beautiful things to me, the suits, the what have you, that I wore in my career. Almost every suit has some kind of meaning to me. And yeah. I don't know what it is, Peter. I can't get in there to just relieve the space because now my entire wardrobe is casual. But (laughs) that's because
2: they're not business suits. right? That's not what you're looking at. Yeah, You're not looking at business suits. You're looking at your career. You're looking at your professional life. Mm -hmm. You're looking at your identity. And to move to the next phase of your life is a massive step. You have to now move to the next step. Mm -hmm. To do that, you have to let go of that person. That person doesn't exist anymore. That person created who you are now, but now you have to step to the next phase of your life. And that's what many people can't do. Their children leave home. They hold on to everything that was their children. Their partner passes away. And this this is often the most difficult. And they hold on to everything that was their partner. You know, their friends move away and they hold on to all of the gifts that were from their friends. Their friends leave things in their home and they hold on to everything that was from their past. And so their home becomes a shrine to yesterday mm-hmm. and respectfully. That's what those clothes are. You have a shrine to yesterday, and every time you open your closet, that's what you're looking at. But I would ask you, are you looking forward or are you looking backwards? And every time you look into that closet, you're looking backwards. Yeah, And so – unless you let go of looking backwards, you cannot look forward to what the next step of your life is. And many people spend their retirement, spend what I think are the best years of their life, looking backwards instead of embracing what is next. Hmm. And for me, you can look at, it's why the term retirement is such a horrible term. Yes, Yes. Retire (laughs) suggests laying down and dying. Forget it. Well, what's worse is,
0: People say, retire and find your purpose. I mean, what is that supposed to mean? That my purpose on my existence? Why can't it just be my, you know, when we, we were growing up, we worked towards your employment, your career. And now I call it my second half of life. I'm moving up on the happiness curve. Do I have to use the word? That's another horrible word, purpose. I don't need to find a reason for my existence. I'm not going to cure cancer. I mean, (laughs) well, you know.
2: But see, I would challenge you on that because maybe you are. See, there's all this brain trust That is kind of withering. Let me explain something to you about quickly about human development. Until about the late 1800s, early 1900s, child labor was accepted as quite a normal thing because children were regarded as mini adults. Social science and medical advancement saw then that children actually had a whole development phase. They weren't adults at that age. So this whole concept of adolescence was developed. Before that, they were just regarded as mini-adults. So the whole concept of children didn't, their brains didn't develop physically, they didn't develop until their mid to late teens, okay? So then all these laws came into place that said you couldn't work children as adults because they weren't mini-adults. So the concept of adolescence was developed in the early 1900s, okay? Suddenly now, that was a division in terms of the development of the human person. About 10 years ago, 15 years ago, we started looking at people in their mid-40s who were going through kind of a revival and started developing the concept of middle essence, okay? There's a whole term of yes. middle essence huh. where people then started getting new jobs, having a whole revival, a second career in their mid-40s, early 50s. Uh-huh. So now there's this concept of middle essence. <laughs> but what's missing is this whole idea of when people then stop formal work in their mid-60s. Right. And I'm trying to find a word, and I think it might be something like effervescence, <laughs> that, that, that think about it. There is no word that develops this stage when you're in your mid-60s. There are 10,000 Americans who reach retirement age every day,
0: Yeah, ten. Uh-huh.
2: 1000 reach retirement Incredible. each day 250,000 Americans reach retirement age every month and we don't have a term mm-hmm. for that group and they're not laying down and dying they're not right. retiring right they're right. young vibrant people mm-hmm. my dad was an old man at 40 my yeah. dad was an old man at 40 yeah yeah you know and and, and the then, thing is mm-hmm. in nine in 1900 the life expectancy was 47 Aye. in 1900. Life expectancy now is in the late 70s. Yeah. At 65, you still have 20 years right. of living to do. Are you going to sit at home Looking at your business suits, (laughs) you are never going to wear again. Well, I might wear the most expensive one You're not. You're not. (laughs) You're never going to dress up like the devil wears Prada ever again. So the thing is, at 65, for everyone, it's effervescence. What's this next exciting stage you're going to step into? And are you going to hold on to all of these anchors? Yeah. Your kids' stuff, your career stuff, your dreams from the past, or are you going to step into this exciting future? Let it go. Right,
0: right. Well, well, in my defense, I just have one comment, and that is every time I go to get rid of those items, I say, wow, I spent so much money on this. Should I find a good cause that I believe in? And then I get lost because I'm like, oh, yeah, I just heard the battered women's shelter that I feel no pain and just giving it to them. So that's my goal. Okay. Here it is.
2: Get off. As soon as this podcast is over, it's called (laughs) dress for success.
0: Yes. I know about them. You
2: know this already. Don't try to, to snow. (laughs) All right. No, no
0: dress for success.
2: No, you're doing the hand thing. I could tell. You're doing this hand thing.
1: That's you, what you did. And the me, mouth yeah. thing.
2: For those listening to the podcast, and the hand over the mouth, you're doing all the things that I could tell. You know, I, I've, I've worked with you a million times. You know, <laughs> it's not easy to let go of a dream. It's not easy to let go of who you were and who you defined yourself as. What's next? That's the question you have to ask. What's next?
0: So, our audience knows for me, and Jean, yeah. what's next? And yeah. part of that is looking for a place to move to, yeah. which we've, we've kind of talked about that on some uh-huh. of the episodes. But yeah. I've already stepped into effervescence, effervescence, mm-hmm. I should say. because yeah, let's call it effervescence. Okay, yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I've been taking all these college art courses. These are things awesome. I've loved for a long, long time. And I've revived them. And now it's like 24-7. That's all I do is this new life I've entered. And so have I bought clothes my new life as well? Yes, but not a lot because I'm also an environmentalist. So I don't want to just add to the landfill.
2: Yeah. Can I I challenge you? Yeah. Can I challenge you on one thing to do? I challenge you to get one of those business suits that you love Mm -hmm. and wear it to one of those art classes (laughs) and get it spattered in paint. I, I challenge I you. Not
0: ruin a suit. I'm going to give it to someone. I'm not going to. No. Where? What? How many do you have?
2: A lot. I don't have. Ah, <laughs> uh, thanks, <Jean>. Gene. <laughs> thanks, Gene. Thanks. Jean. So wear one of them to an art class and get it spattered in paint and rejoice. Don't look so shocked. And rejoice. I'm
0: with 19 year olds, okay? All right. I'm That's taking okay. a college. I don't want them, them to think I'm crazy. Doing. No, they want, but you are crazy. See, was Be listening. effervescent.
2: <laughs> listen, no, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to the logic. Okay. Wear it to an art class and tell them what you're doing. This is part of the art project. You are stepping into a new career. This is who you were. And you are letting that person go. And you are saying to that suit, I am letting you go. And who cares right. if it gets spattered in paint? Rejoice in
0: being crazy. <laughs> okay. And then, all right. And all right. A... I will do it. I, I... promise. You promise? Well, I'm, I I I don't know that I'll let them throw. It's water based, so it's okay. No,
2: I'm not saying I'm not saying let them throw paint at you, but I'm just saying wear it, wear it without worry, wear it, and who cares okay. if it gets paint spattered on it? Okay, just, fine. Just go crazy and let that. Like clearly, you're an adventurous artist. <laughs> Let it, let it out, and then yeah. for the rest, and let leave that one hanging in your closet, right? With paint on it that says, "I baptize you and let you go," <laughs> and for the rest, let him go. Okay, Pe-
1: Peter, she is a good artist, but she's also a control freak. So I don't know I how know. this is going to go.
2: <laughs> but do you see my point? And for those of you listening, and I understand that this is about, you know, moving to somewhere that you love, but in doing that too, it's finding your dream location. It's finding a place that reflects who you are. And in doing that, you have to make choices about what to leave behind and what to take with you in almost probably 90% of the cases of people that I work with, they spend more money on transporting what they own Mm. to the place they're moving to than the value of the stuff that they are transporting.
1: We had a guest who moved from Chicago to Florida. Her name was Candy. And she said that exact same thing. We asked her for advice at the end of the show. And she said, if you did it again, she'd just get rid of all her stuff, put it in the dumpster and bring like three or four suitcases to Florida and that'll be it.
2: Yeah. And, And that's, that's the process that I talk about very much in, in let it go that it's about stopping and finding what I call the treasure. What are the best of the best of the items that represent your professional life, your travel life, your kids, you know, your relationship with your kids, like find the best of the best, and pull those out, and take those with you, so that when they're on display in your home, in your new location, and you look at those, they make your heart sing, you know, and there are anecdotes like that, the reason I wrote Let It Go, after my mum passed away, my dad had passed away about eight years earlier, and my three brothers, my six siblings and I, Decluttered the family home and I only took the treasures that I wanted. And those, I only took two treasures. One was a plate, totally valueless that as a kid, my mum always made my favorite dessert on. It's a green Pyrex plate, <laughs> scratched, chipped, valueless to anyone, but invaluable to me, and uh, my dad's uh, World War II war medal. They're the only two things I took, wow. and they're my treasures. Nothing else in the house, you know, there were lots of things of value in the house, mm-hmm. and that's that's the process. What in your home are the treasures that when you look at them evoke the strongest memory of your life, of your partner, uh, of your kids, of your career, and for the rest, let them
0: go. Yeah. So I didn't know you were one of seven. I too. Uh, Am also one of seven. I am number one. What are you?
2: Oh, you're so you are the control freak. Oh yeah. You are, you are (laughs) definitely (laughs) Oh my (laughs) God. I'm Freud would have a field day. I'm the middle child.
0: (laughs) Okay. We we have a question, anonymous question. Someone we know doesn't want to part with some of his children's items because the child may not want it now, but in the future, he might say, wait a minute, that was re- really important to me, and it wasn't five years ago when you asked me.
1: Our son's not going to do that. <laughs>
0: so so <laughs> what would your advice be about that? Should we box everything? Uh, I mean, the anonymous person and well, hang on. give it there, to the there child? An in-
2: there's an inherent contradiction in your question because you used two different words in that question. You said someone wants to box something. And then later in the question, you said, should we box everything?
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let me rephrase. Uh, please. There are things that... Late.
2: Can I okay. tell you, it's a little late to rephrase because you've already asked the question, but please.
0: Okay. <laughs> so our child, the anonymous yes. is us, Is has moved out, comes home, you know... How old?
2: 24.
1: 24. 24.
2: So- the young man who was your child. Yes.
0: Yes. He has moved out um, after college and now he's in his job and he didn't take everything with him. He, you know, like college, he thought, oh, I'll just take my two suitcase of clothes. Sure. And then little by little, he bought furniture, et cetera. So he comes home and we say, by the way, we want all this stuff out. And the whole concept is, well, wait a minute, this is my room. And well, like, well, we want to use it for other purposes. And he yeah. says, "Well, all right, let me see what it is that you want to toss." So we show him. He goes, "I want to keep, 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 keep." And he's also obviously taking after one of us or both of us. And so I boxed everything in these beautiful containers, they're all clear, so that when he comes home each time, I say, go through it. And we've been going through this. I i, I hope I don't make him, him not want to come home. Okay,
2: stop, stop. I've got to st- stop, stop the editorializing. Let me just ask a couple of questions. Let me ask you a couple of questions.
0: How many of these?
2: <laughs> I, I have to laugh because you said beautiful, clear containers as though that somehow would make me feel better. So? Um, no, It's
0: mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listen. As a former engineer, I'm there of- I'm asking.
2: Stop. I'm asking the question. Um, what? He's how many of these the beautiful? Hey, how many of these beautiful clear? I should be charging you for this, by the
0: way. How oh many of God. these beautiful
2: clear containers are there?
0: Uh, they're on the large side right now. There's four. Okay.
2: Here's what you do.
0: Oh, Four's not counting is the one. closets of clothing. Um,
2: are you? But this may seem an odd question. Do you celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah? Christmas. Christmas. Good. Okay. Here's what you should do for the next, maybe there are four of them. Okay. So for the next two years for his birthday and for Christmas, you divide these containers and you wrap up half of each container and send them to him or give them to him as a Christmas present or a birthday present. What's his name? Max. Happy birthday, Max. (laughs) Give give him a container. And if it's a gift, he'll feel so obligated to keep it. Who cares what he does with it? And over uh, the next two years, if you give him half a container each for the next two years, you'll get rid of the, or you do the math, I don't care, but wrap up a container each for the next two years and Give them to him for birthday and Christmas, and you're done. Next question.
1: All right, next
0: question. In the Chinese tradition, which I somewhat follow, we don't roll. Chinese New Year. Then you get three a year. All right, Stop stop it. We do not throw our children out or expect them to be out when they're 18. Okay. I I know other cultures follow this as well. So I don't want him to feel, what are you throwing me out? We're like the family of three. See, I had one child because I was the oldest of seven. I didn't want to
2: raise anyone. Stop. This is about you. This is not about Mac. This is entirely
0: about
1: you. It's about you. (laughs)
2: <laughs> this is entirely about you. Okay. This is entirely what about,
0: about all you? those uh, Pokemon toys. Why can't you get rid of them?
1: Okay, it's what's him. On the
2: shelf. Could I just ask you? Uh, your listeners can't hear this. Um, what's on the shelf behind you? What are all those tchotchkes on the shelf there? Oh, oh those,
1: those, are so Mac- those are Max's little. Uh, Who that? Me. Yeah,
0: because you don't want to get rid of them.
1: But you. But that's a decoration. It's like art. It's little wind up toys he had when he was little. I say this I say this from a place of love and affection you two
2: deserve each other <laughs> <laughs> Okay
1: let me be serious about this
2: look you know you can make you can make some Uh, you know, some informed decisions about what's in the containers that you think Max might later later want, you know, in terms of cute stuff from school or drawings or whatever that are in there that you think he might later want. And if you've got room in the house to store them in the garage or whatever that are four containers, then why not just put them somewhere in a corner that you can give him later when he gets a a house rather than an apartment and he's got more room. Why not? There's no damage in that if it's not causing any pain or difficulty. Who cares? You know, I'm not the crazy organising guy who says get rid of stuff for the sake of getting rid of it. And if it doesn't cause any any hassle or arguments, who cares? And it's kind of cute to give him, you know, one container every Christmas as a gift. And let him take care of it. That's kind of a cute thing.
0: He loves Christmas. Um, we can't do and, and that. look, look, your son,
2: I doubt your son feels like you're kicking him out of the house or trying to get rid of him by giving him his, his stuff. An adult, a 24-year-old kid understands what's going on. For you oh, to yeah. think that, that 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 represents him feeling you're trying to get rid of him, That's. I mean, uh, this sounds harsh, and I don't mean it. That's silly. He's not going to feel that. So if, he'll see the joke in it. Give him one every Christmas, and in four years they're gone, and by that stage he will be 28. He'll, he'll be old enough then to make a decision about what should be done with him. So just like do that, that and I laugh like about that.
1: it.
0: Okay. Who cares? Okay. All
2: right.
1: All right. I have, I have a question. My stuff is a little different than Gil's stuff. The stuff I can't get rid of is what I call, I may use it someday category. Yep. What do you think about that? How, how do I get rid of that stuff?
2: There are two main kinds of clutter. There's memory
1: clutter, and that's the stuff that reminds us of,
2: of an important person or achievement or event in the past. And the fear is that if you let go of that, you'll lose the memory or worse still, dishonor the memory of the person who gave it to you. Memory clutter. Uh, And that's stuff like, um, you know, something you've inherited, you know, something that you've, you know, something that represents, you know, an achievement from the past. And then I might need it one day clutter. Can you be specific about the kind of things that you have that you're worried you might need in the future? Yeah. A lot of tools
0: tools, a lot of cables, a lot of crap.
2: Yeah, look the way the way to such such a partner, a lot of crap. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me, Gil. They're they're man, they're manly things that define his masculinity. How different <laughs> Oh um, boy. <laughs> oh, that's not <laughs> the, what it is. The way generally I, I would suggest you deal with that is that you need to set some limits on those items. So that for example, you know, if you've got cables, you need to decide you know how much space you're gonna give to that. So One small bin and you know, that's the bin for the cables. And you know, if it's tools, well, you know, do you have a tool shed? You know, do you have a board? You know, where do they exist? And you need to set a limit for the number of tools that you have, you know, otherwise, you know, it ends up just banding and expanding. You know, do you, do you have a bit of a fetish for tools that you love? Just owning them because they represent somehow you might use those, or you use them in the past and you no longer need them. Like, did, did you, for example, do home maintenance once and you you <laughs> did the job once and you you bought the tool for that, but you'll never
1: use it again? Yeah, I have some of those. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but well, you know, it's it's a similar thing. You know, it's a similar thing to the you know the the dresses. I mean, you need to you need to in a serious way go through, pull out the tools that you really do no longer need, and and donate them you know, and what I call declutter for good, that you let go of them once and for all, but you also do good in letting them go. I mean, look, the truth is we're in tough economic times. People, you know, if you're not using them, yeah. the truth is, you know, let them go. And people say, but, you know, I let stuff go. And the moment I let them go, I need it. Well, <laughs> is it going to kill you? You know, if you let go of 10 things and one thing you need to buy again, you know, pass it on, pay it forward. That's my attitude to that kind of stuff.
1: Mm. I like that. Yeah.
2: You'll okay. purge. Okay. All right. Can I just say one thing about that? The one thing I love about the job that I do is that in 20 years, every single time I've decluttered a space where kids have been involved, every single time when children have come back into the room, into the space, they have spontaneously danced without exception. Wow. It's a really beautiful thing. And I think that children instinctively feel that an open space gives them permission to to kind of be freer, that somehow an open space... Um has such potential for for so many things, for love for opportunity, for creativity, that as adults, we've kind of lost that. Mm-hmm. But I think it tells us something about an open, uncluttered, organized space that when you open a space, that so much other stuff can flow into that space. And the spaces that I live in are certainly as open as possible, not because I don't like collecting stuff or or don't like beautiful things, but because an open space, Kind of resonates more for me. Yeah,
0: um, you can and, breathe. And
2: I've seen that with kids, and I think that's a that's a story I tell all the time. Children spontaneously dance when they come into a new, open, decluttered space.
0: Yeah. And do they then go to their bedrooms and find that you've tossed everything, and then they start to cry after you and the producers leave?
2: What's wrong with you?
0: I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. No, I'm no, waiting.
2: because no, because no, because it's a fair question. Um, it's a
1: fair question.
2: Slap, slap. Hang on, I'm just getting myself up off the floor. Um, no, it's a fair question. Look, people think. People honestly think in the work that I do that I make people throw stuff out. And in 20 years, I have never made someone throw something out. That's not my job. And if I go into a house, I've missed out on so many dinner party invitations because people say, oh, you know, my house is messy. You know, I can't have you in my house. I don't care. I really don't. If I say to someone, you know, if a house is, is messy and disorganized and there's a lot of stuff there and people are happy in that space, that's all I need to know. That's, it's not my job to tell you how to live. And so it's not my job to tell you to throw things out. That's not my job. And especially with children. So when I work with children, I always involve kids. And the way I do that is I bring them in and I say, kick. Your five favorite toys. And they do that first. And then I say, if you could find toys here that you would like to give to children who are less well off than you.
0: Yeah, that's nice. Could
2: you find five toys? And Uh. children are always way more generous than their parents think they will be. And then kids do that. And then I say, find two more toys that you really love. And if there are brothers and sisters involved, siblings, find toys that you love playing with with your brothers and sisters. And they find a few of those. And then I say, okay we're done. And then I ask the parents to be parents, which parents often are not prepared to do and ask the parents then to go through and get rid of toys that are no longer age appropriate or the kids don't play with. So then when kids come back into their room, the first thing they see are the toys that they chose the toys that they wanted to play with themselves or with their sibling, so that that fear of losing stuff is gone. There's very seldom then a problem because they have toys that they wanted and then toys that their parents have brought in that fit the limits, Gene, that I mentioned to you, limits that we've established, that they know there are toys that their kids always play with, and so the kids immediately see toys they're familiar with. So there's very seldom, if ever, tears about things that are missing. So there's a process here where the kids are involved that I I think it's very cruel for parents to just declutter a kid's room or for adult children to declutter a parent's room that's even more cruel while parents are away and expect people to be happy when they come back. To disempower someone about their stuff, I know what you would want or not want, (laughs) either downwards to your children or upwards to your parents is an incredible act of cruelty. And I would never do that. And adult child who does that to their parents is an incredible act of cruelty too. And fractures relationships more than people realize. Yeah. yeah, but it's a very fair question. It's a misunderstanding that many people have about the way I work. I joked about it when you asked it, um, and I know you were jokingly asking, but it's a very, thank very you. fair question.
0: Yeah, thank you. No, I have to say I have watched probably every episode of yours, and also Niecy Nash's show, Clean House. I think, and I think it empowers individual when you do involve them in the process. So I will say that when Max is home, or when he's been home in the past. Yeah. And, and maybe because we have one child, he was always the equal third. And yeah, we always, great. Did, you know, we we never spoke to him like, hey, little kid. You know, it was <laughs> yeah. always, we treated him like he, like he was an adult. And I think his friends loved it because we treated them as we were the same age. Yeah. So I think yeah. that is psychologically very yeah. strong. And I'm glad you just said that.
2: Well, I think that's that's why I, I have great disdain for the, particularly the hoarding shows. Yeah. You oh, know, that, that, was a hard that I won't be involved. You know, I did the very first hoarding. Show on American television on the Oprah show in mm-hmm. 2007. And it took a team. We had a team of about, um, I think there were about 80 of us, and it took us 10 weeks. Eighty to, to eight de- oh. and it took us took us ten weeks to declutter that home and completely re redo it. And you know, we had the top Dr. David Tolan, one of the top specialists in in hoarding disorder, because hoarding, you know, is a mental is a mental issue, mental health issue, and you can't just go in and take the stuff out of the house. I mean, and that's what they do on many of the hoarding shows without you know a multidisciplinary approach. And it just it just destroys the person you know i'm not a fan of the hoarding shows at all anyway that's a whole other issue they're
0: they're painful so you know i was reading that the uh, storage facilities is a, it's a 29 billion billion dollar industry and
2: one of the fastest growing real estate businesses in the world yes
0: it's incredible i mean and i know from you know other things we've read of course that it's really seen as a second garage right because it's stuff that you can't fit in the garage and you think you may want but the, the different context i have is let's say we move so first we would sell our house And we plan to rent for a little bit until we, you know, really are comfortable with the new area. And then we will move into a home, okay, whether it's a rental or a purchase. So what do you suggest we do with all the stuff that we ultimately decide to keep? If we put it in a a storage facility, I guess, put a time limit, right? You know, give ourselves the minute we buy a home, we get that out or I don't know.
2: One of the founders, one of the very early people, women involved in the um, in the National Association of Productivity and Professional Organizers, a woman named Barbara Hempel, coined a saying that clutter is decisions delayed. That's true. It's a yeah. great saying. Mm-hmm. I, as a principal, am not a fan of storage facility. Um, they're a little bit like gym memberships. <laughs> you know, you get a gym <laughs> membership. Know. And, you know, you think if you have a gym membership, you're fit and healthy, but Mm, how often do you use that gym membership? You know, it's a little bit like the exercise bicycle in the in the bedroom. That yeah. I saw one on marketplace, and I went to look at it, and I looked at it, and I said, mm, "How many clothes can you hang on this?" I just did to <laughs> check, you know. Which look storage facilities, I believe, serve a great purpose, and that is as a transition. You know, if you're if you're moving and you need somewhere short term, you know, to store stuff while you're making decisions. But years ago, I worked with a young woman whose grandmother had passed away 26 years previously. Twenty-six years. She'd been very close to her grandmother. When her grandmother passed away, she was so traumatized by what had happened, she took every single thing from her grandmother's home and put it in storage. She'd been paying storage on it for 26 years. When I got to work with her, I asked her what what it was that and this kind of ties together the whole concept of treasures and memories and honoring memories and it turned out that the thing she loved to do most with her grandmother was baking we opened the storage unit and found the boxes from the kitchen we found recipe cards in her grandmother's handwriting she had photos of her as a little girl baking with her grandmother we found rolling pins cookie cutters got a large frame, shadow box, and framed some of those items, recipe cards, photos, and hung that in her kitchen. It was a big frame. When we did that, suddenly pretty much everything else, when we did that, when we hang that frame, that uh, shadow box in her kitchen, suddenly everything else was less important. And she was able then to quickly go through what was in the storage unit and let go of pretty much everything else. Because we identified the treasures... And when she looked at that frame, it made her heart sing. It's kind of like that with storage units. I've known people who've put stuff into storage and it's sat there for years mm-hmm. and years and years and yeah. thousands and thousands of thousands of dollars have been spent on the storage unit. Much more value on the cost of the storage unit than on the stuff in the storage unit because they haven't been able to make a decision. And it's kind of like, and, uh, you know, I'm being flippant, but it's kind of like, The business suits or the tools that they box the dream or box delay a decision, yeah, and then leave it there because if it's out of sight, out of mind, and so if it's on their credit card and it's a monthly deduction, Mm. somehow doesn't exist. Yeah, it's funny, you know. I've, you know, I did the same for a while. You know, I'm, I'm not. You know, I'm complicit in this as well. You know, I, I, this very house I'm sitting in here now, I, I, years ago, I lived in it for a little while and then moved to the United States and packed everything up and put it in storage. And it was in storage for five years. I kept thinking I was coming back to Australia. And every year my contract in the States was renewed. My sister bought a, a house and I basically gave her everything because it was a house in a storage unit. <laughs> you know, and, oh. and she and you know, it was great for her. It was everything, bedding to tea t- you know, to dishcloths yeah. to vacuum cleaner. <laughs> But I've known people who just have, you know, Ikea furniture.
1: Yeah. It's just right.
2: silly stuff. So, right. so as a transition, but you need to put a time limit on it and you need to make a decision on stuff. Otherwise, it just spirals out of control. This just okay.
0: proves how messed up many people are, including us. I mean... Yeah, I
2: don't know. I think that's... Here's the thing that, you know that, harsh, Ill, that you have to be careful because and I'm going to be a little harsh with you right now, that. <laughs>
0: Oh, right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what did you uh, call that earlier? Uh,
2: that was that was that was gentle. That was you introduced just- me as the tough. You introduced me as tough love. Here's the <laughs> thing that I've discovered. I love you, Peter. People aren't messed up. They're just everyone is dealing with their own stuff. And I've discovered, and I've been doing this for 20 years. I've discovered that I can say pretty much anything to anyone as long as I don't make it a judgment. And so when you say people are messed up. You make a judgment. And what that does is it takes you, and people watching my show do this all the time or watching these shows. When you judge what you see on TV, particularly in these shows, oh my God, those people are so filthy. Oh my God, those people are so disgusting. When you do that, it takes you out of the situation. Whereas if you are empathetic, it keeps you in the situation and helps you to understand what's happening more. It's easy to judge. Because then it removes you from the situation. I could say, and again, I'll push it even harder with you.
0: Before you push, I have to add yeah. that I said, including us. So I yeah, was yeah, I, I empathetic. Okay, that's fair. Okay,
2: okay. That's, that's fair. That's I fair. just want to make
0: sure but, our audience doesn't think I'm a real B-I-T-C-H. <laughs>
1: but,
2: but, everyone, but everyone knows you're not a bitch.
0: I mean, that's... <laughs> Everyone
2: knows you're not. If you whether you spell it or say it, it's the same word. Oh, no, it's not. Um, But no the one. thing is, but I say this for your audience too. That and, and I say this because of the work that I do. That that everyone, you know, even your guests looking to move to different places, yeah. you know, it's important in looking at how people are making their decisions. You know, some people have money, some people don't. Some people have health, some people don't. You know, some people have have ability to do things, others don't, and we don't know what we don't know what is happening in anyone's life and that's what I've learned perhaps most from my job that be empathetic and I love this about your show that your show isn't really about living in different places that's not really what your show is about your show is way more about opportunity it's about adventure it's about exploration. That's what I love. It's about opportunity. It's about stepping out of yourself, you know, and that can be about reading a new book. It can be, you know, it doesn't have to be about physically relocating. It's about stepping out of yourself, about taking an art class, you know, about sorting your tools, about, you know, it's about all of, that's what I love about your show, that it's not at first glance, it's about finding somewhere else to live. But that's not really what your show is about. It's about stepping out of yourself to try something new and different. And if you judge that, you miss what it's about. But if you're empathetic, if you step into it, you revel in how exciting it is. And that's that's the main reason I decided to come on the show, because the show is, it's kind of a guerrilla show. You know, it's
0: What's a gorilla show? It's,
2: you know, gorilla in the sense of, you know, it's subversive in a way. I love that. You know, (laughs) it's, that's what I, you know, that's what I love about it. That's what I, seriously, that's what I love about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'll add that what you said is very, very much true. And we kind of, every year in December, we do a wrap up. And what the show has really opened up our eyes to, and Gene and I first thought we would just do domestic episodes. And then we soon realized we did our first international. And then we said, wow, that was interesting and it opened up our eyes. And Jean Jean has said repeatedly, you know, I never thought about moving abroad, even for a month or two months. So now we're kind of like in this ether where, hey, Look at these people. They're pretty normal. They're like us. And some are more adventurous, the ones who live out on a boat or whatever. But yeah, it's opened up our eyes. And we never thought we would say that we would live overseas for one month or three months. And that is brand new to us. It used to be, oh, on vacation, we'll (laughs) go to whatever. Right. And it's true. It's like so exciting now. These people that have moved to all these little hidden places. Yeah, exactly. It's adventure.
2: See, see that's about it's about it. Venture, you know. I say to people in the work that I do, you know, go into it. Go into a bookstore. Go up to the magazine rack and buy a magazine that you would never normally buy. Just do that. Mm. you know if you're caucasian buy ebony magazine you know if you're live in the city buy track and field
0: yeah yeah
2: buy a magazine once a month that is totally outside what you would normally do and that's what you're doing as well like don't you know facebook all of everything online be into stuff that is tailored by the parameters of what you like so we're just constantly fed stuff that feeds our prejudices break away and that's that's what you're doing and start empathizing with people different than yourself, with situations different than yourself. You know, that's that's what I love about this show and about what you're doing. And that's the end of the day is what I'm trying to do as well. Get people to think Differently about the world. Everyone is the same. Everyone, everyone bleeds when you cut them. You know, everyone, everyone, everyone <laughs> wants the one. best for their kids. Yeah. You know, everyone. Yeah. I mean, look at you two. You know, you're a mixed race couple. Wow, that's weird. Well, actually, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, no, it's not. We're yeah. a normal people. You know, we raise a normal kid. We want the same as everyone else. Well, you know, you know, everyone's the same, but we're yeah. taught that different, especially in America. I think and i'm a dual citizen different is scary and we have to break that down absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely and that's what you, little by little i think we're doing that which is great
0: yeah yeah it's taken a while but we're getting there
2: yeah god, do, right. god we're off on we're off on so many different tracks today i know awesome. well
0: all right i have one question that i that yeah, must please. be answered or your thoughts so we've digitized tons of photos i mean for gene's yeah. 60th birthday i must have yeah. sorted through you know Years of his life. Yeah. Now what do we do with the physical copies? Because we're pretty certain that it's now digitized. Should we just not even look at them and toss them? And Gene, what do
2: you Yeah, think? look, it's it's funny <laughs> I'm asked this a lot, you know. It's look. Everyone regards photos as being some kind of holy grail. Yeah. But the truth is photos have basically only existed for two generations. I've got photos from my parents and I've got a couple of them and they're from my grandparents and I've got maybe a dozen and they're black and white photos about (laughs) the size of two postage stamps. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly I have 400 boxes, (laughs) you know, from my parents you know, 600 boxes from my generation and now none because they're all digitized. Nobody wants to look at your photos, not even you.
1: Mm-hmm. That's the
2: truth. Nobody yeah. wants. And so, you know, my view on them is people hate it when I say this. Pick out the best. Yeah. Pick out the best. It's like the treasures. Most of the photos that you have are boring, meaningless, and you have no idea who's in them. That's the truth. <laughs> and yet we hold on to them. Pick out the best, go through them quickly and pick out the best of the best, digitize them yeah. and you know, put them back in a box and store them somewhere because no one wants to throw them away because they're terrified that if they do, the god of photos will somehow strike them down <laughs> and the digital ones will all get lost. We all know that. Yeah. That's going to happen. You know? right. Oh, my God. So put them in a box and put them in a closet somewhere and let you, let Max take care of them after you're dead. <laughs> um, you know, that's that, well, the that's truth. not
0: a bad one for him. Okay. And, right, then, okay. and
2: then for the ones that you're keeping, as you go through the really good ones, pick out the really super best ones, put them in a photo album, the ones that make you laugh, the really super best one, and put them on a photo album and leave them on a copy table in the living room. Just one album, just yeah, one right. album of That's the best of the point. best. It's the super, super best one. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. And you're I can right. guarantee you, after you're gone, they'll be the only photos that Max will want to keep. Yeah. What? I guarantee you. Wow. And as That's far as powerful. digital ones, they're the only ones because they will be the best of the best. One photo album. Not all the stupid scenery stuff, no one cares anymore. The couple of photos the day Max was born, you know, of his, his fifth, tenth, and twenty-first birthday. You know, just the day you guys met. You know, it might only be fifty photos. Just the very most see- when you put them in the photo, I'll get it little captions file cards and write on them why they're so significant. Hmm. Because when you're gone, as the Buddha says, we think we all have time, write on them why they're significant. And I can tell you that will be one of the most valuable things that in 10 or 15 or 20 years, your son will value more than the Pokemon figures or the... (laughs) four boxes of stuff. I'm serious.
1: I I agree. Yeah, Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. You know, and
2: I say that to people all the time, rather than boxes of photos that he has no idea what they are, one photo album with the best of the best, the treasures that make your heart sing, that you have taken time to make a note about when you have a dinner party or you know Christmas or people come to visit, I guarantee people sit and flick through that. One great photo album. And put them on a shared drive so that other family members can sort through and download ones they love. There's a Google app that I have on my phone that you can actually take uh, with your phone. You can take a photo with your phone of photos and it will take, it's called Photo Scan. It will take a better quality digital photo than the original photo. Oh, I know. And it will, I know this one. It will, yeah. will immediately upload. And then as you go through them, I use that. I immediately upload it to a share file and share it to my brothers and sisters as well.
0: I just created that. Yeah. And it's part of the uh, family history. So he'll have all of that. And you you're so, yeah. you so, just inspired me because I was thinking that we may want to keep them, but I'm sick of looking at them a hundred times. So just pick a few. Why do we need 50 photos of his birth? I mean, yes, that's important, but not here. He put his right arm up. You know, you're right. That. Is yeah,
2: the other thing you can do is you get a digital photo frame. I don't know if you've heard of this. You can buy a digital yes. photo yeah. frame yes. that has its own email address. Mm. Oh. And when you take a photo, you can send the best of that photo and he can do the same to that email address. Oh. And they just will scroll. You can put it on a dresser or sideboard in your home. Yeah. And it just slowly scrolls through the photos and he or you or anyone else can send their best photo to that email address, huh. and it automatically uploads to that frame. Oh, that's You can buy them at any um, Best Buy or any of those mm-hmm, places. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. fantastic. I often do that. So I'll upload photos when I declutter a home and then um, give each of the family members the email address so when they take a great photo, they'll just often email it to the grandparents to that photo frame. It's a simple, easy trick
0: Wow, something I have not heard of.
1: You know, I love yeah. gadgets. Okay. Yeah. Would you advise... Selling stuff on eBay or just giving it away? It seems so much easier just to give it away.
2: It kind of depends on the value of things. You know, the, there are kind of a whole lot of levels of things. You know, it depends on security, how you let go of things, how you dispose of things depends on a number of issues. Value, security, comfort. Often donating things is the easiest way to get rid of things. A yard sale with neighbors is often a fun, collective, collaborative thing. I've done that with, you know, two or three neighbors and we all just have a large yard sale. Yard sales should be regarded not as money-making things, but as ways of quickly getting rid of things and making a little bit of money. But at the end of the day, whatever's left over goes straight to donation. Do not bring anything back into the home. If something is of a little bit of value, yes, definitely sell it on, on eBay or one of the online marketplaces. Now, police stations and so on have places where you can agree to go to meet a buyer So there's a secure place rather than have someone come to your home. Oh,
0: I didn't know that. Yeah,
2: that's very common. So if you look at at eBay, if you go online, you'll find a lot of local police stations have eBay meeting places or online purchase places so that someone doesn't come to your home. So again, it just depends on your degree of comfort or often I suggest that I saw a lovely thing recently where a friend was downsizing and moving into state and he had a party and he had a huge art collection and he invited friends over and invited he, he took all the art that he had packed up and of the rest he invited friends to take a piece of artwork wow That's so
0: wonderful That's great. I
2: also have heard that done with books. People had a large book collection. They invited friends to a party and invited them to take one or two or three books from the party as well, which I thought was lovely also.
0: Yeah, that is a great idea. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you, you know, these companies like 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Yeah. Uh, what do they do with the stuff they take? I'd hate to think it's that it's landfill. I'm, I'm actually
2: specifically 1-800-GOT-JUNK. I'm a huge fan of them. I've known and worked with them for many years. They're very reputable. And most of what they take, an overwhelming percentage of what they they take, they recycle. Very little of what they take goes into landfill, actually. I think it's up in the 90 percentile actually gets recycled. I'm a And in terms of charities, if you're concerned about where the stuff you donate goes, go to Charity Navigator. I think it's charitynavigator.org and they will tell you how reputable a charity is Mm -hmm. and whether they are okay in terms of donating. To okay. so and if you're not sure about where to donate things, just go onto Google and type in "donate" the item you want to donate and your suburb, and you'll find somewhere whether it's shoes or glasses or winter coats or high quality corporate women's wear. Um, <laughs> you'll find <laughs> you'll find something.
0: Yes. Okay. We've taken up a lot of your time, and this, by the way, has been so much fun. If you're in New York or we're in Sydney or wherever, we have to have coffee. Okay.
1: Done. He, he lives in Melbourne.
2: Oh, Melbourne. I'm, I'm in Melbourne at the moment, but I, I split my time between Melbourne and Sydney. Look, oh. anytime, anytime. I'm not, sure, so much fun. I'm not sure we got to any of your real questions. <laughs> no, no, no. I'd be delighted. Listen, I'd be delighted to chat anytime. And if your guests have a range of questions, I'd be delighted to do, you know, collect the questions and do a Q&A. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I have a couple of pointers and then I want just some of your nuggets of gold. I'm just going to rattle off. you giving off- pointers? I'm going to rattle off the things I do and I just, you know, want any feedback you think might be good or bad. Okay. One, I have a donation bag on the ready. It's located pretty much near the door. So it's convenient. When I walk around the house, I see something that I don't think I want. I drop it off there. When it fills, I take it to donation. Um, Perfect. Perfect.
2: Everyone should do that.
0: I walk through the house with the intent, donate or dump. I mean, I do this all the time. Three, I also... Kind of when I'm organizing, I force myself to focus on a small area of a room to clear rather than taking on the whole big thing, Jane. So I don't want to say I'm going to dedicate today. I just do it on a somewhat regular basis. Uh, That helps a lot. The other thing is I am creating what I call a death list. Okay. This is not like a Swedish death cleaning or whatever, but my death list is it's being created for our child. It's a list of items containing our passwords, medical history, family history, estate, blah, blah, blah. And I feel now I know you're going to laugh. I feel that once this is complete, I'll be able to enjoy retirement or die.
2: No, that's smart. Right? It's very smart.
0: Yeah. I love yeah. the name. And it's like, oh, it's one thing that I can capture. Yeah. Okay.
2: I think it's all your passwords and bank information. I think it's very smart. And I mean, no one wants to believe that something catastrophic might happen to both of you. But yeah. chances are, if you live together, you travel together, yeah. that that may happen. I think it's very smart.
0: Finally, this is not a declutter issue, but I just wanted to share that we have a leave your shoes by the door policy at the chan residence. And I also recently read that shoes carry about 92% fecal matter. So that just kind of bolsters my theory that people should leave their shoes. And our handyman, who I adore, he comes in, his work boots come right off, and he goes, I get it. I totally get it. I just wanted to wrap on that note. Now, okay, what are your... Words of advice in closing our wonderful, wonderful conversation, or anything you'd like to share? If you don't want to be
2: cluttered, here are two things you should remember don't put it down, put it away, and stop using the word later. I'll put (laughs) it away later. I'll file it later. I'll deal with it later. The moment you start using the word later, you invite clutter into your home. Stop. Using the word later, you will lead a clutter free life. Don't put it down, put it away. Stop using the word later.
0: Okay. I They're think my two pieces of advice.
1: That. I loved your no nonsense advice. That was great.
0: Yeah, Gene. I hope you take that into uh, <laughs> advice. All right, Peter Walsh, it's been so much fun. Loved it. Loved it too. Loved Love it. you. We'll take care. You too,
2: guys. Thank you so very much. This was such a pleasure. Let's do it again soon. Bye bye.
0: Take those words to heart. Bye. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you know someone who's relocated for retirement and wishes to share their story with us, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is gg at retirethere.com. Our website is retirethere.com and you may follow us on Twitter at retirethere underscore. Now, if you've liked our show, please subscribe and rate it in Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, be well.